Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. So, there's a very long joke that goes like this. Five 19-year-old lads walk into a bar in Transylvania. Little Joel! Attention! Nuri! Attention! Banjo! Attention! Monty! Attention! Roger! 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 We like to drink with Roger, cause Roger is our mate. And when we drink with Roger, he downs it all in eight. Seven, six, Bloody hell, Rog, you rotter! Said a smallish member of the contingent, whose name was Little John. This was, of course, a reference to the legend of Robin Hood. Little John Brandreth was actually a very small man, which, given the cultural reference, made his nickname both ironic and not ironic at the same time. Rog, mate! Hey, Rog! You downed it in three seconds! (laughs) That's totally savage! Totes, Little John! Totes, Rog replied, gasping for breath, feeling the nausea of the wheaty ale bubbling in his stomach. He took a sharp intake of breath before letting out a foamy burp, which made him feel a little better. I can open my throat, yar. Goes down like a... like a... benefit scrounger. A benefit scrounger? Yar, a benefit scrounger. But that doesn't make any sense, Rog. You're missing the point, John. Basically, mate, I'm... Properly good with liquids. The floorboards of the small local bar shook as the five boys spent the next few minutes rugby tackling one another. Monty, 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 <laughs> who had been the elephant-sized captain of the sixth-form rugby team, abruptly broke out of the scrum because he had decided that Roger had gone too long without a nail. He called to the ancient-looking man behind the bar, whom the boys had nicknamed Igor. Barkeep, Igor, what? We need drinks, ASAP! Before long, Roger had another full, foamy, bubbly drink in front of him, and he regarded it in much the same way a mountaineer regards the peak of Kilimanjaro. And when we drink with Roger, he does it all in eight, seven, six, five, four, You're down two seconds, Rog, you cockwomble, Monty said, slapping him on the back with one of his sledgehammer hands. My stomach feels like a fetid haggis, Roger burped, (coughs) trying to keep the sloshing in his ballooning stomach at bay. Hat trick? Little John called, with another tray of drinks in his hand. Why? Why are you doing this to me? One of Roger's eyes was closed, and his hands were waving around like a tightrope walker with an ear infection. Now steady on there, little John. I think that's enough booze for Rog. Their pal Banjo chimed. Oh, come on, Banjo. Don't be such a neggy Nancy. John, he's completely trousered. You don't have to share a room with him. He's going to vom all over my mustard chinos, and that simply won't do. It just simply won't. And when we drink with Roger, he downs it all in eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, two, two! Within a millisecond, Little John was once again bringing back another tray of beer, like an excitable dog playing fetch. Boys, slow down with the drinks. Banjo pleaded. And it's Big Roger's birthday week! Yes, but we've only bloody been in the bloody country for two bloody hours. We haven't even unpacked. Oh, you're complaining. I'm still wearing my flight socks. Feel like my feet are going to drop off, Monty said, making his way to the bar like a giant doing ballet to retrieve another 16 double shots of Romanian vodka. Besides, look at the price of booze. You've got to get sloshed all the time. When in Rome, do as the Romanians do, yeah? Romans, corrected Nooney, the last of the five boys to enter our story. 
He had the makings of a sensible man, and had also recently shaved his head for a bet. Sorry, mate, sorry. <laughs> when in Romans, do as the Romanians do, yeah? As the bar filled with other tourists, the testosterone junkies continued making themselves centre of attention. Romania? Shaven-headed Noonie shouted with the sides of his lips curled towards the floor. Flipping Transylvania? So eggy. Little John retorted, sticking up for Roger, who'd been the one to decide on this location for his birthday celebrations. I'm totes happy to be here. It's off the beaten track. Off the beaten track? I still didn't believe it was a real place until we got into the airport. Transylvania? Shut up, or I'll confirm-confirm-confirmuscate your bum bag, Roger said, poking a long and bendy finger into Noonie's chest and nearly falling over. Ibiza even, the Caribbean. My rents have a house in the Seychelles, you know, we could have gone there. Monaco's nice, I don't know, bloody Benidorm for God's sake. Benidorm? You know what, I'm going to say it, I'd literally rather be skiing, I literally would. Confiscate my bum bag if you like, Rog, mate, confiscate away, but you will never take away my dignity. All I'm saying is there's a reason why all of these Romanians moved to our country. Monty returned laden with shots, Highland whiskey chasers to go with the vodka, two bottles of champagne, and a round of some strange dark red liquid that looked a bit like blood. Monty, mate, back me up here. Noonie pointed a finger into Monty's chest. Romania is full of immigrants! That's racist, Noons! They're not immigrants yet. Andre, the decrepit-looking owner of Bar Vlad, who had only tufts of hair left on his ageing head, was used to drunken backpackers. He was used to groups of private schoolboys looking for cheap booze and a good time. Used to people shouting English at him, slowly and patronisingly, as if he wasn't fluent in it. Although, being nicknamed Igor was a new one even for him. Their type was usually no bad thing. They spent a lot of money and he loved being around their energy. It made him feel younger, more alive. But this particular group of young men were a little too alive. They showed no respect whatsoever and seemed to brazenly revel in moronic behaviour. He glanced at them across the wood-panelled room as they downed shots and got one another into headlocks. There was something about this particular group of lads that got under his skin. They were just a bit... Oh, late last night I pulled my pud and bloody hell it felt damn good. Smash it, crash it, bash it on the floor. Heave it, squeeze it, jam it in the door. Some folks stick to buggery and something's fucking grand. But for the most enjoyment I shall always use my hand. <laughs> Four rounds later, Banjo, who was the self-proclaimed ladies' man, was chatting up a backpacker by the name of Astrid in a nook in the corner. The nook was small and uncomfortable, and as Banjo proclaimed, it was distinctly European. Why do they call you Banjo? Sex. What's that got to do with it? Ask your friend. Banjo said, indicating Astrid's friend Colette, who was sat next to her, clasping an undrunk beer and looking deeply, deeply bored. She wouldn't know. Colette's a virgin. No, I'm not. Colette protested. It was the first thing that she'd said all evening. Okay, not a virgin, but you know. No. No, but you know. No, no I don't. An awkward mood hung in the air. The girls were two months into their gap year interrailing trip. It had been a long two months. They were learning that travelling, even with the best of friends, can be taxing. Look here. Banjo said, glaring at Colette. Why don't you give Astrid and I a little space. Truth is, I've noticed my mate Little John over there giving you the eye. Astrid performed a deft movement that looked a little bit like a push, and with that, she was all alone with Banjo in the wood-panelled, distinctly Eastern European nook. So, Banjo, what were you saying about sex? Across the room, Andre, the bar owner, was gritting his teeth. He had only been away for a moment, changing the barrel, but when he got back, he discovered Roger and Monty behind the bar, pouring pints for themselves and all the other punters in the near vicinity. Noonie was drinking tequila from the bottle, and Banjo was now heavy-petting Astrid. He shouted at them, all in Romanian, asking how dare they take alcohol from behind the bar, and that he had had enough. It was time they all left. If he had wanted to be a zookeeper, he would have opened a zoo. 
He was manhandling some of the group out the door when Monty said, Igor, mate! Igor, mate! Chill! Look, here's 50 euros for the booze we drank, and here's another hundred. Andre felt like he was trying to control a group of chimpanzees. But everyone has their price, and these chimpanzees had a lot of money. The boys stayed. Bugger, bugger, bugger! Ow, ow, ow! Bugger, bugger, bugger! Ow, ow, ow! Bugger, ow! Bugger, ow! Bugger, bugger, bugger! A short while later, Little John was having a conversation with Astrid's friend, Colette. He thought she was great. He found himself opening up to her in ways that he couldn't with any of his friends. They both just seemed to get each other. Can I tell you something? He said, checking that none of the other lads were listening. Of course. It's just I feel I can tell you anything and you'll understand. Something I can't share with the other boys. They don't accept that type of thing. That They're old-fashioned in their beliefs. Go on. You can tell me. I haven't admitted this to another living soul. Promise you'll keep it a secret, yeah? I promise. I... I... voted against Brexit. I just think that we're better in Europe. Oh, that must have taken guts. Colette laid a hand on Little John's leg. And there's another thing. Gosh, this feels good. Oh... Yeah? I... I... voted Labour in the last election. I just really like Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, God. Is there anything else? Do you have a girlfriend? Boyfriend? Are you a blood-sucking vampire? I'm single and defo a vampire. Show me those fangs, then. It turned out Colette was an ardent Remainer with a Jeremy Corbyn pin badge. Now then. There was a man at the bar. He had thick black hair surrounding a bald patch, which was hidden under a pork pie hat that housed a long pheasant feather. He had a thin pencil moustache and sprouts of hair erupting from his shirt, which was open one button too many. And Noonie was venting to him. I mean, Romania, the arse end of Europe. My parents have a house in the Seychelles, you know. They offered it to us, you know. Had the staff ready too, do you know what I mean? But no, bloody Transylvania, mate. I mean, I'd literally rather go skiing. I literally would. Must be frustrating. The man said, with a voice that sounded like it was made for radio plays. I mean, look, the Roman Empire fell for a reason. It's crap here. Actually, you are quite mistaken. It was the Ottoman Empire here. Where the fuck is Ottoman? Look, mate, and I totes get it that you might have come here by choice, but I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's a reason they're coming to the UK in their millions. Now look here, that's racism. It's not racism, mate, it's politics. I should know, yeah? Politics is where my family made its money. Shut your little cake hole. You're really getting right on my wick. Romania's an amazing place. It's got a long and exciting history full of battles and romance and... Horror! We are sat in Transylvania, for God's sake. It's the birthplace of a vampire legend. Does that not excite you? Um, uh... Noonie! Nice to meet you, mate. And you are... Bottomley. Crevice Bottomley. Sinjin Crevice Bottomley. Actor and traveller. You may have heard of me. I haven't. I think I am familiar with the Bottomleys, though. Colette had her tongue inside Little John's mouth and was performing acrobatics with it. Little John didn't have much experience with kissing girls, but was on top form as he navigated the ley lines of her lips with drunken delicacy. He pulled away for a moment. I hate the burden of my parentage. What? I've never got so close to a real working class person before. Kissing the girls back in Kent is like kissing a dog's rectum. Tight. They just don't have the freedom that you have. You are an artist with your lips. You want to kiss me for me, and not because you want to marry a lord. You're a lord? Oh, God. I've ruined it. I shouldn't have told you that. It's not very Corbin. Oh, shut up and kiss me. 
Monty's voice rang above the noise of the bar. We like to drink with Roger, cause Roger is our mate. And when we drink with Roger, he'll douse it all in eight, seven, see, uh, okay, okay, uh, someone pick him up. Banjo was getting a little frustrated with how frigid he thought Astrid was being. Even little John was getting some action and that was unheard of. She wouldn't even kiss him. It's as though she's never been with a bloke, he thought. Never had a good poke, he thought. Gosh, I really am a ladies' man. Instead of kissing, she told him that the two girls had booked to spend the next morning aboard the Vampire Tour, which was a minibus tour visiting the many sites related to the 14th century emperor of the Ottoman Empire, Vlad III. Vlad the Impaler. Or, more commonly known, Vlad Dracula. Their tour would return back to the village at around 1pm, and she said that both groups should meet up for some afternoon drinks. Banjo agreed, and Astrid made her excuses to leave. We need some rest. It's an early start. We're not leaving until 11. Protested Colette, not wanting to be pulled away from Little John and his saliva. We should go. Astrid looked Colette in the eye, and with that they both left. Sinjin Crevice Bottomley was now getting on famously with Noonie. Bloody hell, Sinjin, mate. I hadn't seen it like that. Sobers the blood, doesn't it? So immigration could be a good thing. Is a good thing, my boy. The free movement of people helps grow the economy. Noonie, in his drunken haze, began to sob. I've made a terrible mistake, mate. A terrible bloody mistake, mate. There, there. It's okay. Lots of people voted for Brexit. Lots of people have realised that they got sucked into the lies. The filthy, filthy lies. You are forgiven. <laughs> Thank you, Sinjin. Thank you so much, mate. Sinjin ordered a round of drinks and distributed them between Noonie and his friends. It was similar to the blood-red coloured drinks that they were trying earlier, but fizzy this time and apparently a local delicacy. For a moment, the boys sat in silence, politely sipping their disgusting drinks. So, what is there to do here besides drink? Oh, plenty, Noonie, plenty. I recommend you all walk up to the old castle tomorrow for starters. Through the forest, head up the hill, and don't leave the path until you get to it. Stunning views, and there's Bram Castle, which is where Bram Stoker based his Dracula. Really wouldn't be worth missing. Oh, brilliant. Will you come with us? As much as I'm honoured to have helped you see the light, see the travelling way of life, I canny do that, Noonie, my boy. I canny do that. I'm moving on tomorrow, off to Slovenia to see the caves. Biggest in Europe, you know. Wow. I should like to go there. One day you will, Noonie. One day you will. And with that, Sinjin disappeared and then reappeared on Noonie's other side. One more thing before I go, Scamp. A lesson I was taught by the late, great Lewis Carroll, and I never forget it whenever I go travelling. Always follow the rabbit hole. You never know where it will lead you. And yes, of course, what's at the end of the rabbit hole may well be awful. Just terrible and really, really fucking horrible. Like when I followed that Mongolian wrestler into that vat of... Uh, <clears throat> Oh, anyway, look, what I'm trying to say is that whilst it might not be pretty, at least you did it. And who knows, you might just change your life forever and see and experience things that will go down as some of your happiest, most awe-inspiring moments. And with that, he tipped his pork pie hat and disappeared again into the night. Noonie knew there and then that he would never forget that strange man in the strange little feathered pork pie hat. Oh! And on that note, Sinjin had once again reappeared. It's by the by, but never follow a Mongolian wrestler to meet his wife. It's a euphemism, and he will take you to terrible, terrible places you didn't know were possible. It's just awful. Sinjin threw up a bit in his mouth. <clears throat> and with that, he disappeared as majestically as he had the first time, out of the door and into the night. At two o'clock the next day, 
The lads waited outside the hostel, slumped on a curb and feeling the full effects of the previous night. Astrid and Colette hadn't returned from their vampire tour yet. They were an hour late. They're not coming, Roger said, gazing up at the others with bloodshot eyes. Let's go for a walk. Oh, real idea, Roger, (laughs) said Little John. Let's go walk to the castle. Oh, shut up, Little John, you brown nose, Monty said, flicking Little John in the ear with a banana finger. (gasps) When standing side by side, Monty and Little John looked like an orc looming over a hobbit. Noonie, who hadn't said a word all morning, piped up. Yeah, comrades. Sinjin said the castle is beautiful. What? That creepy old man from the bar? Banjo said, who was in a bad mood because the odds of him copping off with Astrid were dwindling. Banjo was one of those men that gets all of his self-esteem from copulation. Like a peacock. But instead of the plumage, Banjo had mustard chinos. He wasn't just a creepy man at the pub. He was a remarkable man. He was a maverick. A miracle. The boys shared a look, not knowing what had come over Noonie. I thought you hated being here. Yeah, what about the Seychelles? Oh, come on, boys. Romania offers countless unique travel experiences that are just begging to be discovered. Look, thanks to Sinjin Crevice Bottomley, I now know that Europe can offer anything and everything we need. Europe is optimism. We're stronger together. Who did you say this man was? Sinjin Crevice Bottomley. Oh, well, I'm familiar with the Bottomleys. The boys took a thin dirt path away from the town and set off towards the cover of the forest. Above them, on the summit of the hill, was Bran Castle. It looked like a perched eagle atop a tree. Its terracotta turrets shot upwards away from the pale stonework. It seemed to appear from the horizon like a juggernaut, piercing the cloudy, unrelenting sky. Noonie gazed up at it in disbelief. He took a deep breath, his hangover seemingly a distant memory. Oh. Now then. This is living. His words were met with silence as the five boys huffed and puffed their way up the incline. Come on, lads! Roger, the birthday boy, called from the front of the group. He seemed eager to make sure that everyone was happy, bolstering them like a human Alka-Seltzer. It's cold! My head feels like it's been buggered by a rhino, and I only packed flip-flops! I don't care about the rest of you, but I'm going back to sleep in that god-awful bunk bed in that dorm, said Monty. No, come on! You only regret the things that you don't do, said Little John. Not true, not true. I did that ladyboy in Bangkok, and the bitch stole my wallet. Here, said Roger. Have a drink, it'll make you feel a lot better. He retrieved a huge bottle of Romanian vodka from his bag. Hair of the dog. It's two in the Arvo, mate. Yes, and you're on holiday. Here you are. Roger pulled a plastic cup from his bag and filled it half full with vodka. Uh, I'm not drinking straight vodka at 2pm. Roger looked defeated, and then, tilting his head to the sky, he let out a battle cry. We like to drink with Monty, cause Monty is our mate. And when we drink with Monty, he downs it all in eight, seven, six. Monty was the captain of the rugby team for a reason. He could drink the rest under the table and could not resist a drinking song. Roger refilled the glass. We like to drink with Monty, cause Monty is our mate. And when we drink with Monty, he downs it all in eight. Seven! Monty gasped as he felt the vodka burn his throat. He had to admit, it had started to make him feel a little better. A little more gung-ho. A little more up for an adventure. His headache began to fade. Roger poured another. Drive, boys! Drive! Monty was off up the hill like a deranged hippo. He stampeded and made the ground shake. The boys followed on, feeling delighted and happy to be alive exploring the Transylvanian countryside like the knights of old. Or at least all were happy apart from Banjo, who was still feeling hurt at being jilted by Astrid. He had never been stood up before. Oggy, Oggy, Oggy! Oi, oi, oi! Oi, Before long, the lads noticed that somewhere back they had lost the path. They'd been chanting like lunatics and hadn't been paying attention. They had been out for a few hours and by now they were starting to feel pretty cold and tired. 
The forest stretched on in every direction, an endless haze of trees that dissolved into darkness. Roger, I thought you were leading us. Don't put that on me, Banj. I totes refute that, mate. Well, where the fuck are we? How am I meant to know? Uh, guys, has anyone got spare shoes in their bag? This is a bloody buggering horror movie. Who's got Google Maps? No bloody buggering reception on my phone. Oh, typical. Bloody buggering typical. This is like a bloody buggering horror movie. Bloody buggering bloody hell. I, I've properly lost the feeling in my feet, guys. Get Monty Mod Vodka, ASAP. Let's go back. Which way is back? Oh, for fuck's sake, Rod, you cretin. Monty, climb that tree. Get the, the lay of the land. I'm not climbing a tree. I'm wearing Armani flip-flops. And guys, I've properly lost the feeling in my feet. Ugh, give him a bottle. Don't get aggy with me, mate. I'm not being aggy with you, mate. Hey, lads, shush. Bit of hush, please, and pronto. What? Just shut the fuck up. What? Noonie lifted something from the ground. He held it like it was a relic, eyes wide and breath short. He was quivering slightly. The boys looked at him expectantly. Guys, it's Sinjin's hat. The feather in the pork pie hat had been bent out of shape and it was covered in dirt as though it had been pulled through the undergrowth. What does that mean? Well, it means it's not on his head. Where the bloody bugger in hell is the rest of him? Calm down. Sinjin! Noonie, calm down. Sinjin! Give him some vodka. Sinjin! Give the man some bloody vodka! Calm down, Noonie. I'm sure it's fine. That's true. He is a seasoned traveller. Noonie calmed down a bit knowing that if anyone would be able to hold their own in the wilderness, it would be Sinjin. Come on, lads, Little John said. It's not doing us much good hanging around like this. Noonie placed Sinjin's hat mournfully on his head and followed the rest of the group as they moved off in roughly the way they had come. As he walked, he made a vow to himself that if anything had happened to Sinjin, he would complete his trip for him and head on to Slovenia and its caves. Little John sidled up to Banjo. Hey, Banj. You okay? Totes, mate. You? Yeah, well, there's just... I wanted to ask, did you say anything to offend Astrid last night? Banjo was slightly taken aback. What do you mean by that? Well, it's just that... Well, they left pretty abruptly, and then... Today, they've... You know... Stood us up. Oh, bugger off. I didn't do anything to offend her. She told me that they were going on some tour this morning, and then I tried to feel her tits. And then suddenly she was all, we have to go. What? You didn't say that before. Why should I? It's my business. You can't just... You can't just try and feel a girl's tit. You didn't even kiss her all night. I, I saw. Not my fault she's frigid. Oh, great. Bloody great. I meet a girl with whom I can actually open up to and who I think I actually quite like and isn't bothered that I'm a bit shorter than her and now you go and mess it up by being a dopey, fumbly, bloody rapist. Don't you dare call me dopey. I'll call you what I like. Just before the two romancers were about to burst into a fight, Monty thrust the vodka between them. Drink up, lads. We need to stick together. The lads had no idea where they were, but felt certain that if they walked downhill, it meant they were heading towards water, and if they followed that water for long enough, they were sure to hit a pocket of civilization. The trees were taller in this part of the forest. They exploded upwards like a Manhattan skyline. Where treetops met with sky, it was beginning to get a little reminiscent of dusk. Daylight wouldn't last for much longer, and the boys were all beginning to give up hope. Certain that they were just walking in circles. No! 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 I can't do it! Monty said, collapsing into a giant heap. <sighs> Go on without me! Don't be stupid, Monty! Come on! Said Roger, who was trying to inconspicuously find the vodka. <sighs> I'll be a burden on the group if I go on any further. It was fun when I was drunk, but now I just feel completely unequipped for this Bear Grylls shit. He drinks his own piss, you know. I can't drink my own piss. It'll taste like vodka. Oh, come on. We only left the hostel five hours ago. Five? Jesus Christ. You should have kept that to yourself, Banjo. I'm supposed to eat 2,000 calories every four hours. I feel faint. Monty, mate. 
You'll be fine. You're not exactly wasting away, mate. Mooney, you fumbling bag of hemorrhoids. Rugby is not a sport. It's a lifestyle. Suddenly, Roger spotted something through the trees. Hey, lads. Is that a building? Drawing closer, they found themselves gazing at a stone archway built into the side of a hill. Even Monty had forgotten about his tantrum on the floor and had joined the lads at the front. It looked old. Moss grew between the blocks of grey granite. It was ancient, like a long-forgotten entrance to a tomb. The archway fronted a long and narrow tunnel that disappeared into complete darkness. A shiver shot down Monty's spine. Where does it go? To fucking Sainsbury's, mate. Where the fuck do you think it goes? Just being near the thing gives me the bloody creeps. Shits you up, doesn't it? What is it? Looks like a tunnel. Are you a moron? I can see that. In the far distance, just at the point where the tunnel reached its darkest, there was a thin beam of light. I'd say it's some sort of sewage pipe or or something. It's not uncommon for old castles to have old sewage pipes like this. I should know. Ours has a few. It certainly smells like it. There was a breeze, which was whipping its way around the trees, surrounding them, making ghost-like noises. We should totally go down it, Roger said gallantly. What? Are you joking, Rog? No, guys, listen here. One, we're on holiday. Two, if Little John is right, it must connect to a building, which means people, or at least a road. Three, you only regret the things in life you don't do. Not true. I did that ladyboy once in Bangkok. Shut up, Monty, you lump. Now, are we in, or are we in? I vote in. Of course you would. Do you want to iron his socks, too? Oh, bugger off, Banjo. At least I didn't try to feel a girl's tits against her will. I felt a girl's tits against her willy. I was in Bangkok, then the bitch stole my wallet. Shut up, Monty! Calm down, boys. Roger said, displaying firm leadership, just like his father. We are going down that Fuck off. Fuck off. WTF, Roger. I voted in. Come on, Mooney, mate. You were all about seizing adventure earlier. Yeah, well, I don't think walking down a dark, shitty pipe constitutes an adventure. When I was in Bangkok, Lads. Look, lads. Boys. Men. Alice went down that rabbit hole and look at all the wonderful things she got to do, yeah? This is our rabbit hole. What happened to Alice was horrible and you know it. She spent the entire book trying to get home. Besides, it was written by a pervert, apparently. Just like Banjo. (laughs) If you say one more thing, I'm going to kick you in the balls. It was too late. Roger had already stepped into the tunnel. The boys called after him, but he ignored them. Bloody bugger! Noonie froze. A moment of clarity struck him like a lightning bolt. It was the mention of Alice in Wonderland. It had jogged his memory, and suddenly in his mind he heard Sinjin quoting Lewis Carroll. He clutched the pork pie hat to his chest and spoke. No, wait. Wait, mates, mates, Romanians, gentrymen. Sinjin prepared me for this. He told me that you must always follow the hole. You never know what marvels await. Just thrust yourself into the bloody hole, okay? You must always follow a tunnel, but never follow a Mongolian wrestler. Yes, Monty, you're hungry. You're wearing flip-flops. But would you ever hold back from a tackle on the pitch? Of course you wouldn't. You even tackle people on your own team. Banjo, they call you Banjo for a reason. I've never met anyone who is as pitifully desperate to enter a hole as you are. And little John, you're right to want to follow Roger. Even if it is because you do everything he says. We've got to follow Roger, lads. If it's the last thing we do. If we don't, we're not proper travellers, lads. And we'll be having major FOMO for the rest of our lives. And think of the Instagram likes. And whatever's happened to Sinjin, his spirit lives on through us. We properly do it for him. We properly do it for Roger's birthday. We properly do it for us. What do you say? They all looked at one another for a moment. And before they knew it, they had followed Rog into the darkness. Sinjin's spirit flowed through Noonie like a river flows through a canyon. Inside the tunnel, every noise seemed to echo for eternity. Water dripped from the ceiling and the stone floor was slippery with moss, algae and general wetness. 
It was clear that no living thing had been down here in a very long time. It was darker than dark, and as such, they had to begrudgingly inch their way forward by touch alone. It was narrow and cold and completely unbearable in flip-flops. Monty was squelching forwards, hunched, being careful not to bang his head, while for the first time in his life, Little John was glad to be little. He darted along, completely at ease. A moment later, and they had caught up to Rog, who was crouching down with his back to them, and was completely still. Noonie almost tripped over him. Roger's voice echoed through the pitch black. I think little John is right. It's some kind of disposal shoot. Has anyone got a battery left on their phone? Yeah, Nokia. Said Banjo proudly. Does it have a torch? Yeah. First model that came with a torch as it happened. R&R, retro and reliable. Turn it on. Light beamed around the tunnel, illuminating wet, mouldy walls. The boys looked around in horror. To their complete terror, the floor was not wet with moss and slime, as they had assumed. It was covered in red, congealed blood. Rotting, discarded body parts were scattered all over. Rog wiped his face and stood up, revealing the dead bodies of Astrid and Colette. The lads were silent. In moments like this, one expects a scream. But in true horror, a real scream is silent. A real scream can't get the breath in quick enough. Monty began to stammer and wriggle about. His flip-flops had done no good keeping his feet clean. They were covered in red, with bits of flesh stuck between his toes. He began to whimper. All five boys turned towards the entrance, which was now a distant shaft of light. It slammed shut. They were left alone in the glow of Banjo's Nokia. Now the scream came. They ran further into the tunnel, away from the blocked entrance. Monty was suddenly in his happy place, on the pitch. He ran like he had never run before, feet slipping in the flip-flops but keeping in the lead. Panic rose as he noticed a dark, shadowy figure blocking the way. Monty, still doing his best to visualise himself on the rugby field, summoned up his courage and tackled it. The figure was left writhing around on the floor as the stampede of boys jumped over it. A moment later, and Monty reached the end of the tunnel. He erupted out of it into a medieval-looking courtyard. It was empty and lit by the light of the full moon. The others followed him out of the tunnel and all collapsed on the floor. <sighs> oh, the fuck was that? Monty gasped. God knows, but I wasn't about to stop and ask. Was he the killer? Must have been. Who else would be hanging around in a tunnel surrounded by corpses? No need to get aggy. I'm not. Great tackle though, Mont. Props to you. Oh, big thanks, LJ. Banjo had tears in his eyes. I didn't even get to kiss her. She's dead and I didn't even get to- Wait! Boys? We're a man down. Where's Noonie? Noonie! 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 Shut up! Don't shout! We need to remain undetected. Monty just rugby tackled the killer. I I don't think we're exactly in stealth mode. I'm not hanging around, said Roger, standing up and beginning to walk across the courtyard. This must be Brancastle, which means there must be a road back to the village. Wait, Rog! Rog! You can't just leave! Of course I can. I'm not hanging around to see what comes out of that bloody tunnel. Noonie would call for us if he were... Were what? If he were still alive. He's been got! You don't know that. Did you see that fucking tunnel? He's right. Said Little John, standing up. Are you actually incapable of thinking for yourself? Banjo said, going to punch him. Monty intercepted his fist and held him in an arm lock. Shut up, Banj! LJ, Rog, I hate to say it, but I think you're right. I'm not going back in that tunnel, and definitely not in these flip-flops. What we need to do now is find someone to call the police, because their job is to catch killers and keep people like us safe, yeah? Our parents don't pay 20% of the tax they should do not to use the public services. Noonie would never have left us. Noonie didn't even want to come to Romania. 
it's my birthday and he wasn't even going to come. He wanted to go to Benidorm instead. He said he'd literally rather be skiing. What kind of friend is that? Now come the fuck on. There was a big oak door leading off the courtyard. Roger grasped its big wooden handle and pulled the great thing open. Its hinges creaked. The four boys huddled together as they looked into the dark room within. It was empty and distinctly terrifying. The boys hesitantly entered the darkness. A creak echoed from behind them, as though someone was trying to walk silently across the wooden floor. Hello? Whimpered Little John. He was certain that they weren't alone. The door began to creak shut behind them. Hello? Who's there? Watch out! I've got a... uh, got a Nokia! Shut up, Banjo! The door slammed shut. They stood like petrified stone statues in the middle of the pitch-black room. The sound of footsteps pierced the air. Monty began to wet himself. Noonie? Is that you? The footsteps continued, menacing every cell in the lads' bodies. I, uh, if, if that is you, Noonie, it's not very funny. Ha, bloody ha! Suddenly, the room erupted into bright light. Surprise! The room was filled with people, all dressed for a party, but a themed party. Lots of medieval costumes, all holding glasses of dark red wine. There was even a cage on one side, which Banjo hoped would later contain a dancing girl. There was a banner hung from the back wall, which read, Happy Blood Mitzvah, in large golden lettering. Quickly and efficiently, men dressed in medieval formal uniform grabbed the shocked Monty, Banjo and Little John and tied them together with a thick rope. What is this? Little John cried, while they were being dragged into the empty cage and sat down on simple wooden stools. The steel door swung closed locking them in. This is my blood mitzvah, guys! Roger called with an elated smile on his face. What the fuckity flying fuck? Monty shouted, suddenly excited. I love parties! I love blood mitzvahs! Wait, what is a blood mitzvah? Sorry, guys. Uh, When a vampire turns 20, he comes of age, we have a party, we drink, we sing, we dance, I recite sections of our holy book, the Blood Bull. My parents make a speech, and then I'm an adult. Uh, I become a full vampire and can't go out in the day, etc., etc., etc. Garlic, stakes to the heart, crucifixes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, oh, and we drain the blood of the vampire's closest mortal friends. And I'm so proud to say that you guys are my closest mortal friends. Hooray! You're a vampire, said Monty in disbelief. Yeah. Blood mitzvah. Great, 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 great Gramps Vlad thinks he has a great sense of humour. Well, it's not funny. Shut up, it's of its era. You try having a sense of humour age 308. Is this a joke? No. You're a vampire. Yeah. Where do you think they got the name Eton from? What? Eton? Eton College? Yeah. Eton, mate. Eat on human flesh. There's loads of us in the movers and shakers. It's like the ultimate ancestral bloodline. Oh, yeah. And that totally makes sense. And to be honest, mate, I think that you being a vampire is kind of really cool. Interjected Little John. Oh, shut up, Little John, you little brown noser. Shall we change your name to Roger by deed poll, you bloody, uh, hippie leech? I'm fed up of you calling me things like that, Pange, okay? I'm a lefty. There, I said it. I believe that everyone should be free to their own culture and beliefs. Okay, mate? That's okay with you? I don't believe what I'm hearing. Next, you're going to tell me you voted for Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> yeah, I did. As a matter of fact. Shut up, boys! Monty fumed. Did you not just hear that Rog is a vam shitting pyre? They're about to drain the shitting cocking blood out of our bodies! A bit of quiet, please, Monty. I just need a moment to process that Little John is a Labour supporter. Wait, what? Little John is a Labour supporter? Did you not just hear him? Sorry, no. I, I-, I was preoccupied with our imminent death. And the piss on my flip-flops. Bloody hell, little John! Shut up! I can't believe you lot. You're all dim-witted morons. Roger then signalled to an old gentleman with a pale face and tufts of hair. It was Andre, the bar owner, a.k.a. Igor. The tied-up lads were speechless. In one of Andre's hands was a funnel, and in the other, a long, slender knife. Well, well, for girlfriends, tasty nice. (laughs) 
Igor, you Transylvanian turnip! Yes, start with him, Roger said, pointing to Banjo. I get it. This is a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. A themed birthday party or something. I don't think it is. I think he's serious. And I think you're seriously in love with Roger. Which, mate, really is okay with me. Those were the last words Banjo ever uttered. For Andre elegantly glided towards him. The knife pointed at his neck and with one slick movement sliced his throat from ear to ear. He gurgled and twitched for a few seconds, fighting against the rope before his body slumped back into the chair, lifeless. Blood drained into a funnel in the cage's floor and threw a pipe towards a hefty silver tankard. The key, said Roger, is to drink it while it's still warm, before it starts to curdle. The boys in the cage whimpered as the crowd around the room began to applaud Roger. He took the now full tankard and raised it into the air. The rest of Banjo's blood was siphoned into a large barrel from which the other vampires filled their glasses. Roger's parents approached him side by side. Oh! Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Roger, Monty said. Hello, Monty. How's your brother getting on at Harrow? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not too bad, thanks. Uh, I mean, he isn't about to get slaughtered in a room full of vampires, so I'd say he's probably pretty peachy. Oh, jolly good. Now, are we ready, Donald? I certainly am. good Everyone. We like to drink with Roger, because Roger is our mate. And when we drink with Roger, he dances all in eight, seven, six. <laughs> Roger had Banjo's blood around his mouth. He slapped his lips together as though it was his first drink in days. The room cheered in jubilation, and Roger, enjoying being the centre of attention, took a dramatic bow. Soon, every vampire in the room was greedily guzzling down Banjo's blood. Jokes on them. Monty whispered to Little John, who was shaking uncontrollably. He's almost certainly got syphilis. The way I see it, LJ, we've just got to keep our dignity. Yeah? Don't let them see your fear, or they'll have more fun hurting you. It's simple rugby psychology. Oh, and stay rosy to the very end. My grandma told me that one. Little John turned to look at Monty. His face, although still being pale as a sheet, seemed somewhat calmer. Thanks, Monty. Well done, son. Thanks, Dad. I'm properly good with liquids. Uh, now, whose round is it? A uh, shot from Little John or a tankard from Monty? I'd recommend you have Monty as the long, and then Little John as the chaser, but that's personal preference. <laughs> good shout, that father! What are dads for? Andre pointed his knife at Monty's neck. Let me just change the barrel. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so proud of you, Roger. Even Auntie Teresa is crying, and she's as cold-hearted as vampires were before human rights. Roger turned to see Theresa May, ex-Prime Minister, vampire and aunt once removed, shedding a single tear. He smiled at her. She smiled back and lipped her lips. Roger lingered just a moment too long, because... Suddenly, there was a crash as the big stained window above the door smashed into pieces, splintering fragments of 16th century coloured glass onto the wooden floor. Two figures swung through the now empty space on a rope. It was Noonie and Sinjin, who was now wearing his hat once more. Noonie! Watch out! They're all vampires! And Little John voted for Jeremy Corbyn. It's all news tonight, boys. Noonie and Sinjin Crevice Bottomley had wreaths of garlic around their necks. It's okay! We're protected from the man in a democracy. People are free to vote for whoever they choose. You must try not to judge them. Fair play. The vampires winced and groaned as they crept away from the garlic wreaths, exposing their long, sharp teeth and hissing like angry cats. What, what happened here? Monty asked. TBH, mate, you properly rugby-tackled Sinjin in the tunnel. He's a vampire hunter. He's been undercover as a traveller here for weeks. I'm an actor too, gentlemen. Why is Banjo slumped over like that? They've drained him of his blood. Oh, well. He was a bit of a sleaze. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, joke's on these vampire a-holes. You all guzzled his blood. A bit too quickly, didn't you? Should have waited for Uncle Sinjin to arrive and tell you all that you're about to be destroyed. Boys, I spiked your drinks last night when I bought you that round. That local recipe, Bloody Mary, contained a generous helping of garlic oil. Thank God you were too mounted to notice. There is now essence of garlic flowing through your veins. 
And the same was true for our lady's man, Banjo, here. The vampires looked around at each other. Their eyes widened. They clutched their throats and began to wail and scream. It was like having a front row seat in a typical Saturday night in hell. Their skin began to decompose and smoke was rising out of their ears. Little John thought he noticed Boris Johnson in one corner, but he couldn't be sure as suddenly, one by one, the vampires began to disintegrate into puffs of smoke. (coughs) The screams continued as the last few vampires disappeared, until there were none but Roger, who looked like he was going to throw up. Boys! Help! Fuck you, said Little John. I have always stood by you, but to be honest, I think this is a bit bloody bad form, mate. You're willing to slaughter your best friend to the name of a family tree. And with that, Roger disintegrated like a smoke bomb. He left behind nothing but a scream of pain. When it was all over, Sinjin untied Monty and Little John. Now then, you two get on that first flight home and never tell another living soul of what you have seen. As the two boys shakily stepped towards the door, they stopped and turned back to Noonie. Are you coming? Nah. Mate, I've found my new calling in life. I don't want to go into finance anymore. I mean, sure, the money's good, but no. I've found a job that feels really... Oh, I don't know. Really worthwhile. I'm going to join Sinjin on his quest to Slovenia. Yes, lads. Mates, that's right. I'm going to be a vampire hunter. If you ever find yourself in a tight spot with a bloodsucker, you give me a call. Yeah? And with that, Noonie and Sinjin joined hands and disappeared into the night. Vampires lurk in the shadows, waiting for their moment to strike. But they also hide in plain sight. On a cold, dark night, they are anywhere and everywhere. The cab driver waiting at the corner, the woman jogging past you in the park. Maybe I'm a vampire luring you in with my voice. No one ever knows until it's too late. Only one thing is certain. They crave your blood. <laughs> blood Mitzel was voiced by Arthur McBain, Owen Jenkins, Maxwell Tyler, Chris Jameson, Grace Dunn, and Alice Bounce. Well, there you go. There you have it, Owen. That was Blood Mitzvah. Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed it, did you? <laughs> It was bloody. It was bloody great. Um, so that's it for a bit, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. We're, we're busy writing uh, a new batch of episodes. Um, hopefully Chris might write another one for us yeah, as well. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, and so, yeah. so we'll see you soon. Have a lovely Christmas. And all we want for Christmas is subscribers. <laughs> so pass on the message to your friends. And take care of yourselves. <laughs>